Hey. hey. <laughs> it's good to be back. I was going to say, long time no speak on the monitor. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> good episode it's last been week. been a while. Thank you. It was weird kind of like doing an outlook on the year because it feels so early, mm. but there's a, there's a lot to come. How are you? How's your new year going so far? It's going well, yeah. I still really love my job, which is huge. Um, good to hear, good to hear. Yeah, chilling, living, eating food. Eating food. We spoke last week about New Year's resolutions. Have you got any yes. or are you kind of boycotting them? What's the plan? No, I have, I have resolutions every year. Um, so this year I think like the big overarching one for me is wellness like I just want to be the healthiest I've been so I'm not focused too much on kind of um, any specific way that I want to look or any you know I just want to be able to punch someone in the face (laughs) (laughs) I did not think you were going (laughs) to that conclusion and have it hurt them which is huge when you consider how much of a okay. pacifist I am. Like, I would never actually hit yeah. anyone. But, you know, you want to get to that where you could, like, I could hit you in the face. It's nice to, like, have that hidden power, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, my dad taught us how to fight when we were, like, very young. Because mm. he, he, he was a boxer, so he was like, right, I'm going to teach you how to punch. And I did think back then, like, but I'm five. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's helped me in life in some ways. I will say that. Mm. Um, cool. I like the whole wellness thing. I think it's good. I'm seeing a lot of positivity on Instagram from a lot of people, especially women, yeah. about wellness and how they're all putting self-care priority. And it's just nice to see that, you know, a lot of people, they do say, oh, I do want to lose some weight this year. I do want to eat a little bit healthier. I do want to go to the gym. But it's just great to see people be like, this year, I want to feel better in my head. Mm. And I want to panic less. I want to have less panic attacks. I want to feel better in my mind I think that's fantastic and it's great to see people having more of a open conversation about that yeah no I agree it's nice a conversation that Gwyneth Paltrow started obviously with Goop I'm so scared by these posters <laughs> me too like are you in my vagina are you in your <laughs> vagina like what is the situation so, so if you don't know what we're talking about Gwyneth Paltrow has a new is it a series I or is it so. like a special I think it's a series and it's on Netflix, and it's it's called... Is it called Goop, or is it called... The Goop it's Lab. It's about Goop. The Goop Lab. So her company called Goop, which I think is basically her appropriate in a lot of Buddhist culture. Um, but the poster looks like she's inside of a vulva. <laughs> and it's very, very off-putting. Mm-hmm. Um, so not probably... Not one to watch for me, I don't think. I'm definitely curious about it, but I, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to run to see it. I'm not going to run to see it. I feel like I need to watch it with a lot of wine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing we won't be watching anytime soon, mm. and that's Lizzie McGuire. Oh, I know, I'm so sad. So basically, Lizzie McGuire, the original uh, creator of the show, has stepped back from the project after filming two episodes because she's had creative differences, which seems to be a sentence we hear a lot in the Disney universe of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. The director of uh, Doctor Strange has also stepped away from the sequel due to creative differences. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah, so I think oh. a lot of people said, because when the um, roster got announced, a lot of people said, um, oh, the new Doctor Strange film is going to be a bit of a horror, so a lot of people were excited. Um, so people don't know whether that's the reason that he stepped away. Mm-hmm. You know, Disney obviously don't want to make a horror because they want to sell toys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really saddened by the Lizzie McGuire thing though, because I really felt like that was like the, uh, like I don't know, like the USP they had with Disney Plus yeah. is that not only were they making all this content available again, they were also reinventing or rebooting whatever you want to call it, yeah. side calling, um, one of our favorite shows. So I'm not sure what's going to happen. No, that sucks. I wonder what the creative differences were over Lizzie McGuire. Like, what, what, was, so, what was so dire that you were like, no, Terry, you have to... What was so work. out there that they were like, no, you cannot work on this show anymore. Yeah. Considering that Lizzie McGuire, like, at one point, she's sitting on stage with a doppelganger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what point do you get to when it's... Um, I mean, they bought that So Raven back, and that was about psychic. Mmm. Yep. I don't know. Time will tell. I'm sure it will come out. <laughs> Um, some other unfortunate production news is that Parasite is getting an American remake. Mm-hmm. So now, just, how do you feel about this? I've seen arguments pro and against. So, the first time I, the first time I saw anything, I thought it was just going to be in the way that they made Old Boy, so just shit essentially. But apparently, oh, it's going to be HBO produced and um, made with the current director. So okay. That doesn't make me so mad. That makes me quite happy. 
But there's a few other projects that have done that. Like Gloria Bell is the Julianne Moore film. That that was originally, I think it was a Spanish film. Oh, really? Um, that, that was remade, yeah. And there's a couple, of, I mean, like Funny Games was remade. Yeah. And obviously you mentioned Old Boy. I can't think of any others that come to mind. Mm, but I, I'll probably check it out. But like he said <laughs> when he accepted, what did he just accept? Was it the Golden Globe where he was like when you look past the one-inch barrier of subtitles, you're opening yourself up to so many amazing movies. That's paraphrasing it, but um, just watch the original. I know. I, this is the thing I don't understand, is that... Uh, I don't know, it's bizarre. It's like, do, do you look at a film and think, I'm not going to watch that solely because it's got subtitles? So I, not me, but I have a friend, I, I've... Um, <laughs> he's gonna hate me <laughs> and I've called him out so many times because I'm like oh have you seen Narcos have you seen you know Money Heist or whatever and he's like you know I don't really watch things with subtitles I'm like but do you can you not like what's up can you not what's going on see this is bizarre for me because I've watched everything with subtitles from the age of 15 yeah. and I just, so it never fades me um but I, I don't know I just think I find it lazy mm. I think when someone has created a film so wonderful like Parasite why should they then have to make a carbon copy of it? It's like writing a brilliant essay and then someone saying, could you do it again, but could you put less words in mm, it? Yeah. Like, I know it's not the same context, but I don't know. I'm not really here for it. I think it's great. I just would rather that. I can't pronounce his name bon. as good as John Chow can, but Bong Chong Un? Bong. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> no, because I'm trying to... I'm trying bon to remember jo- how John Joe said it. He said it amazingly. Bong Joon. He did. Bong Joon Ho. Joon Ho. Bong Joon. Bong Joon Why Ho. don't we? Why aren't we giving him a fantastic American project? Yeah. With HBO. Yeah. Like, why aren't we saying, you know what? You had this fantastic idea, this fantastic film. Let's make another one. What else have you got to give us? Mm. But no, it's just we like that. Can you do it again, please? It's, which is just this typical American Hollywood bullshit yeah. of you know, replicating stuff, so, but yeah, it's what it is. No, it is, and I just feel like, How... just be kind to yourself and watch good things, all those good things don't have to just be in English, just, well, you it's, yourself it's funny, because like, yeah, a lot of like, British shows have been like, trans, do I say translated, have been like, transferred into American shows, You mm. and they've never really worked, have they, so you had Skins, um, I think Misfits, they tried to do Misfits at oh, one point. Oh, did they? I think so. Obviously, um, the one that's the most popular and well done is obviously The Office. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just kind of, this American attitude, it'd be funny, interesting to get Courtney's retrospective of this, where everything has to be theirs for it to be good. good. Yeah, or valid even. Yeah, or va- yeah, valid, that's a very, that's a better point. Um have you watched You season two yet? Mm-hmm, I have. Okay, so we can talk about it, we can talk we about can it, we can talk about it. about it. So, what did you think? Because I said last week that I went in with low expectations, so I wasn't utterly surprised. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of it? I didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, I almost didn't. I, I got maybe two episodes in, and I remember telling my coworker, like, should I finish it? And she was like, yeah, you should finish it, just so we can talk about it. So I did. But... Yeah. Um, there was so much hype about this and obviously I'm not just talking about the, the second season in general but there were so many people that watched it and were like oh my god you've got to watch it yeah. because episode 8 or 9 whichever one it was it's amazing it's mind blowing it's fantastic so I felt great even more pressure mm. so I watched it and then I watched episode 8 or 9 or whatever mm. it was and I wasn't utterly blown away my mind was not blown I just so obviously if you haven't watched the second season of you you're gonna have to skip along a little bit here but so essentially, Joe meets this new person, and at first we think it's a, it's just a, what's the word, coincidence that he's met this woman. Yeah. But then we find out that he did meet her. He hasn't met her, but he saw her and he stalked her, and that's why he's now living this life. But then through the show, obviously there's other little storylines going on. You've got this kind of not paedophile but sexual predator storyline. Mm-hmm. You've also got this storyline of um, this strange past with um is it 40 and the babysitter or or, or pair Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it and then essentially we find out that quinn love is also was she a serial killer or is she just a killer i can't i thought she was a serial killer 
Yeah. Mm, I think so. Well, she's up to two, isn't she? E- yes. But there's I- potential that it could... She could have also killed... Um, Her husband. Yeah. I thought as soon as she said what had happened, I thought she's killed her husband because he didn't want kids or something like that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you thought that because I thought, who's cooking his food? Yeah. Mm. But yeah, there were parts of the show that were a bit interesting. I liked the, I did like how annoying they made LA and how <laughs> they highlighted the kind of stereotypical Instagram generation mm-hmm. of LA people. Um, some of the friends were okay, but I thought one thing that you does do is that it introduces a, a lot of characters and then you never really see them very often. Um, I mean, do you even remember the names of all of Beck's friends in season no. one? Apart from Peach, obviously. Yeah, no, I really don't. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think he, I think Penn Badgley definitely upped the ante this oh, season. Sure. He was definitely a lot more sarcastic yeah. and he was a lot more aware of who he was and... I think I mean he's great, he's fantastic, mm-hmm. but I I'm not just not too sold on the other performances at times. I agree. I did um I did really like oh what was Delilah's sister's name? Ellie? Je- Ellie. She was yeah. so good. It was so nice to see Minnie Jane the Virgin in something. <laughs> Minnie Jane the Virgin. <laughs> Minnie Jane. <laughs> that sounded bad. Um <laughs> you know what I mean. But I didn't realise that she was the yeah. young version of Jane the Virgin. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Oh, I didn't realise that. And I really oh, liked that good. weird sort of protective-ish... What's the word I'm looking for? That weird relationship she had with Joe. Because he was a little bit fatherly and a little bit protective and a little bit kind of not as much as a psycho as he usually is. So that was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I no, did. I agree with you. I don't think I was sold... What did you think of the ending? Because obviously, mm. at the end of the show, they've moved to the suburbs. Quinn, no love, sorry, mm. is pregnant. And then there's this new um, introduction of someone he's possibly going to start stalking, which is a woman next door. Now, I thought this was a n- just a new woman. Mm. And I just love the idea that he's obviously that ill in the mind that he has to constantly have someone to stalk. Yeah. Um, but then some people have said that it could be his mother. Mm. What do you, what's your thoughts on this? I don't this? know. I think I would like it... Well, when I say I would like it, I mean, I think it would work better for the story for it to be someone new and some, someone random, because I feel like that's I how the so show too. works best. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if it is his mum, or someone else that we know, like, somehow tied What other ways does he have, though, with stalking now? I mean, obviously, with this season, we yeah. saw a little bit more... Like, he had the telescope, a telescope, mm. um... But other than that, it seemed to be... I don't know, I preferred... I don't know. I felt that with Beck, as much as I didn't like her as a character and found her a bit irritating, you saw a lot more of her life than what we saw of Quinn. Yeah. Love. Sorry. So, I, I don't know. I was, I'm was. i torn with it. I enjoyed watching mm. it. But I think halfway through, I just thought this isn't really going anywhere. And the acid storyline, I thought was a complete cop-out. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Do you think you're coming back for season three? Because they've just announced it. Like, I think they just they tweeted it was just back. announced it. I'm going to come back for Pen Badgley. Yeah. I'm all for his career. You know what I'm saying? Oh. I, I want to make sure that he feeds his family. I love him. I think he's fab. And I love how self-aware he mm. is of it. He's not... Like, if this was Noah Centino or someone like that, they'd just completely blindly, you know, go about their lives with the fame. But he's actually, like, very aware of the situation. He's like, yes, thank you so much. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. But this person is a bad guy. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. yeah. No, I'm interested in that. Are you going to go back for season three? I don't know. Um, I really? want to for Penn. Because we're on a first name basis. But, um, I thought so. I don't know. I feel like at this point I, I'm struggling to keep up with shows that I'm really, really enjoying. So there, there are going to be a few that fall on the wayside and it might be this one. Fair enough. Mm. I started to. I decided with the recent Christmas special to rewatch Gavin and Stacey. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it when it was on television, but it was so long ago. Mm-hmm. It just shows how old I am. But oh my god, some of the jokes have not aged no. well. So I've never seen Gavin no. and Stacey. 
never no. well for me like because obviously my family it's funny for me because like my family is half from wales and half from essex mm. so growing up it was quite funny to see that representation on screen but i've just started rewatching it just as like a comedy i like having like a quick 20 minute comedy to put on in the background mm. if i'm doing the ironing or something and um yeah the jokes particularly about smithy's teenage girlfriend have just not aged well you would not be able to get away with that these days mm, it's yeah it's a lot but it's a decent show it's just funny seeing james corden back then <laughs> and not as um like, not as the lead that he is in uh, cats the movie and, oh yeah have you seen cats <laughs> no <laughs> i don't like horror <laughs> this is very valid this is very valid okay uh, speaking of horror let's move on to the top 10 <laughs> So at 10, we have Knives Out. That's staying in there pretty strong now, seven weeks, which is decent. Uh, at number nine, it's the horror film that is Cats, four weeks. It's gone all the way to number nine. That is not where they thought it was going to be, is it? No. Mm-mm. At number eight, it's Spies in Disguise, which is the Walt Disney animation film. At number seven, it's Frozen 2. Have you seen Frozen 2? No, I have not. Have you? No, I don't think I'm going to see this one. Mm. I think I'll wait for it to be on Sky. Same. As awful as that sounds. At number five is Jumanji, The Next Level. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) At number four, it's The Gentleman. This is the new Guy Ritchie film. Quite a big cast. You've got Matthew McConaughey. You've got Henry Golding. um, Hugh Grant. Um, Are you going to see this one? Are you a Guy Ritchie fan? I... I'm usually, I mean, I know you loved Aladdin. I loved Aladdin. It was my favourite film of the year. Um, I'm not, like, his biggest fan, but I did love, like, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels is amazing. So whenever I think of Guy Ritchie, I'm like, maybe it'll be more like Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and less like Aladdin, so... Yeah. His last two films has been Aladdin and the King... Uh, the What's it called? King Arthur? Oh, was it King Arthur? Mm, see. So I think he might be going back now to this route that he's good yeah. at. I, I do want to those... see it, if anything, for the cast, because, you know... Henry Golden. Yeah. Obviously. Without a doubt. Mm. And number three, it's Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. We haven't had you on the show since you've seen this. Yeah. Tell us your thoughts. I was not good. Um, so you're one, of, you're one of the people that didn't like I'm it. I'm one of the people. I'm one of the people who didn't like this one and who loves The Last Jedi. So I know that this is going to polarise ev- almost everyone listening to this show. But... Oh, please. I, everyone's so different with it. It's crazy. It's crazy. So I... I feel like for me, my biggest fear was that um, Rise of Rise is it Rise of Skywalker? Yes, that it would lean too far into nostalgia, and that for me is exactly what it did. Um, it was because they—that's what they think people want, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I—I I think that's why I like the Last Jedi so much because Ryan, Ryan. I've also just learned that his name is pronounced Ryan Johnson and not Rian Johnson. Um, Did you think it was Rian Johnson? I really thought it was Rian Johnson, but no. That I we really like that he made those difficult decisions and those you know those things that weren't necessarily popular, but I think really drove the story forward. Um, but yeah, I just thought the pacing of this one was off. I thought they made all the wrong decisions as far as you know how people kind of end up in the end, and that you know they didn't use Kerry Russell as much as I would have liked, and there was just like a lot that I had issues with. So yeah, not my jam. That's fair enough. Yeah. Do you how big of a gap do you think it'll be for the next trilogy? Have they announced it yet? I think it, yet? it was. I think they said something like twenty twenty two. The next one. So it's not that far. No, away, is unless it? I'm wrong. Let me fact check. Considering that. the gaps between the first two trilogies, yeah. and the third. But I think that was a part of the problem. Oh yeah, here we've got. So we've got twenty twenty two, twenty twenty four, and twenty twenty six. Which to me again is the problem because there was wasn't enough time between these three. For, I think them to develop storylines in a way that made sense. I was gonna say, I feel like they did not rush it essentially, but they just didn't allocate enough mm. time to. And I think they because they introduced a lot of new characters as the films went on, you kind of lost the time for those other characters, um, to essentially close up storylines or just kind of fully explore them to their greatest potential. Yeah. Um, so no, I completely agree with you on that. And number two, it's Little Women. Have you been to see this? I have not. Are you planning to? We said last week some of us were a little bit of an I do want to see it, um, but yeah, just haven't had a chance yet. That's fair enough. And at number one, it is 1917, which is the Sam Mendes war film. I didn't know until walking into this that it's shot um, in a continuous continuous style. Yeah. 
I didn't know that. Um, I really enjoyed this, and kind of when I when I sat down to firstly see it, I thought, oh god, actually, I don't have to bother with this. It's another war film, mm-hmm. but it's done in a way. It's done in a way where you're put with George Mackay mm-hmm. for all of the film. And George Mackay is such an incredible actor and just seems like a lovely guy. Um, and I think because you're in a continuous take, at times it does kind of feel like a video game. Yeah. At times it kind of feels like you're in with the action. Um, and I thought it was really, really powerful. I just think the way that you kind of saw it from a different perspective, a little bit like Dunkirk, mm-hmm. the way they kind of split it up, especially with the fight, fighter pilot scenes. Um, I, I just thought it was really powerful. I'm shocked. I mean, we're going to get around to the Oscar nominations later, but I'm really shocked that people are commenting about how it shouldn't get any nominations with Best Editing. I don't think people realise that even though it's shot continuously, that still requires a lot of clever editing. Yeah. A lot of clever editing. Um, so, yeah, have you seen this? I you have. See this? I've seen it. What were your thoughts it on was, it? So, they always played the trailer of this movie every time I went to see another movie, and I didn't know whether that was because they were hyping it or I was like, why are they? Like, what's this push? So I was a yeah, I used, Sorry, I saw when I went to, I think, a showcase cinema, they even had, like, a ten-minute making-off yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. I thought it was one of those films that they'd spent a lot of money on that was clearly not going to do very well. And then it came out, and everyone loved it, and I went to watch it, and I loved it. Like, I... Oh, okay, that's good. Was, I was, like, on tender hooks, then, she's going to hate it. it. She's going like you said, it was so immersive, and you felt like you were in this film, and that you were, you know, running alongside George. Um, first name basis again but I just <laughs> I thought it was it was just kind of that epic war film that I haven't seen in a long time that I didn't realise how much I missed yeah um, so yeah big fan big fan oh I'm glad um, I'm, I'm really ha- I wasn't expecting like when it started becoming advertised I thought oh god here we go another war film around Oscar time but it really did exceed my expectations it did remind me a lot of Dunkirk mm-hmm. Just in the way that, like I said, it was shot to more of a personal level, more of a human level as well. And I liked that you had these great actors come in, like Mark Strong and um, Richard Madden, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> um, and but it wasn't about them; it was about you. Still, kind of had your focus on George Mackay. Mm. Um, I just thought it was sensational and I think he must have that kind of performance again like we'll talk about Oscar nomination soon but that kind of performance just yes there's not a lot of dialogue and yes he's on his own a lot of the time but just the emotion yeah. that he's expressing is just oh it must have been brutal to film it must have been brutal to For film sure. absolutely um, so let's move on to upcoming releases so this week Bombshell is coming mm-hmm. out so this is the um the take on the Fox News um, reporters taking on Roger Allies or Allies mm-hmm. and the toxic atmosphere he presented. So obviously, it's got a stellar cast: Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie, the blonde trifecta. We spoke last week on the show. Obviously, Courtney gave us a little bit of perspective about the history of this, and she kind of said like, "It's great they're doing these storylines, but Kara." Apologies about that. It's great they're doing these storylines, but it's a it's just a shame that these women have have done some very other awful crimes against other women when it comes to this kind of subject. Yeah. Are you, are you going to see this? I don't know because I I agree with Courtney. I I think the topic of the film, obviously, given that it's the Me Too um, movement and kind of really um, looking into looking into all of that, but I don't like that the story is centered on people who work at Fox News which sounds horrible because I'm not saying it can't happen to them it obviously has but it's just that it's centered on them that I find I don't know there's something about it that I'm not on board with yeah it hasn't done very well anyway has it it hasn't really which I mean when it when it first came out I think because I didn't really know what it was about and I think I saw the poster and thought oh my god girl power three amazing Mm. actors this is fantastic and then I kind of started to learn a bit more and I was thinking hang on a minute this doesn't sound um as empowering as I thought it was yeah so I thought maybe it was about Fox News people that went undercover or Fox News people that kind of left the network but no no they are still um sprouting this information Mm. I mean, Margot Robbie is in it, and I absolutely adore her. So I do. I think I will see it. Just to, obviously, she's been nominated quite a fair few times mm-hmm. for this performance. So 
I'm intrigued to see it for her, really. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just traditional. We've also got a a hidden life coming out. Um, this is a Terence Malick film. Do you remember when everyone used to talk about Terence Malick oh and everyone just stopped? If you didn't like A Tree of Life, you weren't a film fan. I remember all of that. Do you remember when he had like three films going to come out back to back and it had like Christian Bale yes. in it and Ryan Gosling? Did anyone ever see those films? Or I mean, I can't even remember what they were called. Was this like... One was called The Knight of Cups. Oh no, I've not seen that. And another was called To the Wonder, and that was with Ben Affleck, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, I, d- I don't to know. This no. To the Wonder, yeah. This uh, So this film is about um, a guy who refuses to fight for the Nazis in World War II. Um, I think it's all in German language. Oh, cool. Let me just double-check it's here. It's English, German, and Italian, so yeah, it's a German film. Um, but yeah, so that's out this week mm. we've also got just mercy which um if you're a michael b jordan fan this is a, the one about the world-renowned civil rights defense attorney brian stevenson who works to free a wrongly condemned death row prisoner who i think he's played by is it jamie fox yes brie larson's also in this film and um, so it's oshie jackson jr uh, it looks quite good yeah uh, it's not been given amazing reviews, but I think it's just because it's gone under the cover a little bit. There's not a lot of promotion about it, is there? No, I'm really excited to see it, though, because Just Mercy is one of my favourite books about... Well, favourite non-fiction books about the US justice system. Um, Fantastic. For anyone who's looking to add books to their, like, 2020 list, I recommend Just Mercy. And also, I really like Destin Daniel Cretton because he made Short Term 12, which I think was one of, like, Brie Larson's super early movies it was like 2012 or 2013 um so no i'm really excited about it i it's a shame it hasn't gotten the reviews that i would have hoped for but i'm still gonna watch it he um he also made the glass castle which i'm still i still haven't seen he works with brie larson in basically everything Hmm. um so no it's um it's good i'm hopefully gonna see that he's making the new uh, marvel one i didn't know that is he shang chi and the legend of the ten rings yeah of course he is. Oh, into it. Of course he is. Yeah, because Aquafina's in that, isn't she? I don't know, but it's got the... Um, oh, Simu... I can't remember. I think I saw... I think I saw... I'm pretty... I'm pretty I don't know. I'm pretty sure I saw something about Aquafina being in that mm, film. Cool. But no. But, I mean, that's just great. Seeing independent film directors go on to direct big budget stuff. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. It's good. Um, also out is <laughs> Bad Boys for Life. I said last week that they look so old and honestly I stand by that comment because every time the trailer comes on it just looks like Yadar is out and it just I don't know it's I mean the premise is that they are back together for one last ride so do you think one of them's gonna die in this oh god I hope not (laughs) Vanessa Hudgens is in this film so that's a little high school musical uh, connection for you interesting We've also got a film called Waves. This is by <gasps> Trey Edwards Schultz. I was waiting for you to do that. I'm so excited about uh, this movie. <laughs> this traces the journey of a suburban family led by a well-intentioned but domineering father as they navigate love, forgiveness, and... Forgiveness? What happened to my accident? <laughs> forgiveness. And coming together in the aftermath of a loss. So it looks very emotional. You know, um, I'm looking forward to this. I'm hoping it's showing nearby me. Same. Same. Um, and is Lucas Hedges in this as well? Um, I don't know. I didn't... If he is, I didn't know. I, I don't know why I said that. But it does have Hedges. Calvin Harris Jr. in it. Mm-hmm. Who I love, and I really want him to win the Rising Star BAFTA. So... There's a big collection on that. Yeah. Big collection on that. And last but not least, we've got the comedy, which is called Plus One. Uh, this looks like your standard, um kind of wedding comedy where they fall in love at the end um in order to survive a summer of wedding fever long-term single friends ben and alice i mean you can just basically guess what's going to happen mm-hmm. in this film with the first line agree to be each other's plus ones at every wedding they've been invited to that's a film already isn't it is it or i'm thinking am i thinking of wedding crashes i don't know who's in it it's jack quaid oh. who is uh, obviously dennis 
Yes, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan And if you've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime, you'll recognise him from there. Uh, Egg Begley Judy is in it, and Maya Erskine. Oh yeah, she was mm. in that show. Was it? Um, she was in that casual Hulu show called. Well, I, I don't know if it's penis? called Penis or if it's Pen Fifteen, but I'm going to go with Penis. Yeah, Penis Pen Fifteen. She was in that, and she was also in Wine Country as well. Um, so yeah, that's out too. And um, so quite a selection, quite a selection. But we're here for one thing this week, and that is to talk about the Oscar nominations. Mm. So we did a podcast last year. We basically said like we didn't really care about the Oscar wins anymore, but it's just always fun to have a little look at the nominations. Yeah. Have a little whinge, isn't it? Yeah, super whinge. You know, super whinge. Did you watch the nominations live? I did, yeah. So it was the first, I was at work and it was the first time I, I'm working with a team who is just as invested as I am. So we all kind of huddled around my um, screen and we watched them. It was amazing. Amazing. I, um, because I I watched them at work, Mm. I think about, God, that's about six years ago yeah and i remember i put it on the conference room on the television <laughs> and people just kind of like came by and it was like this is still on i'm like yeah yeah it's still on, it's still <laughs> on. um so yeah and then this year i was able to watch it at home and it was quite nice actually i was like oh exciting mm. exciting so we're going to talk about some um we're going to talk about the nominations and basically what we feel was missing what we feel is maybe not deserved and basically just some suggestions about what you should probably watch if you can't sit because i know a lot of people base their watch list on oscar nominations mm-hmm. which is cool but there's a lot to be missed a little bit like the comment about the barrier with subtitles yes. just because a film doesn't have an accolade doesn't mean it's nothing mm. um so we'll talk about best visual effects so obviously avengers endgame is up here how are you feeling about this yeah i was thinking because i think mark ruffalo i think it was mark ruffalo put a post up saying like literally without visual effects he wouldn't have been in the film. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. I mean, so makes sense. I think, yeah, I think they did do a fantastic job with that. Um, the other nomination was the Irish man. Obviously, the main visual effect in this film was um, the aging up slash down mm-hmm. slash sideways mm-hmm. off. What did they do? Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, and Al Pacino. Did they do anyone else? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So yeah, good achievement there. Um, the Lion King, I do laugh at this because a lot of people say, isn't The Lion King meant to be the live action feature? <laughs> um, so best visual effects. It didn't get a lot of nominations no, for The Lion King, did it? Beyonce was snubbed. Snubbed. And Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker and 1917. So obviously visual effects 1917, I'm assuming that's explosions hmm. and things like that and probably manipulation of the editing kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, anything missing there that you think should have been included visual effects wise um, I don't I think I'm happy with that I mean I, I thought Rise of Skywalker's visual effects were a bit shite but um, <laughs> um, but yeah no I think I'm I'm pretty okay with that what do you think yeah it's pretty good yeah. I mean I think Avengers does deserve an award for that work to be honest I know that a few a few of the other films have had nominations mm-hmm. in the visual effect category so yeah definitely um, best film editing so we've got Ford and Ford versus Ferrari this is one of them films that I thought would sweep quite a lot but I think because it come out quite early it's been a little bit forgotten about in some of the other categories mm. um, but obviously you saw it would you comment on the editing being impressive um, it was good I mean it did what it was supposed to do I think which is you know adrenaline race car scenes exactly what you would expect from a dad movie but I think it did it did okay yeah cool um, we've got the Irishman obviously Thelma Shoemaker it's always great to see her name up there Jojo Rabbit um, best ed- film in Joker and Parasite I thought Parasite I'm glad that's got an editing nom mm. editing's odd for me because I always laugh because during film school it was if they've done a great job you won't notice it yeah that's true so it's I never really I sometimes I watch a film and think oh yes amazing editing I'm absolutely stumped that 1917's not in here though mm. Because with that film, like you're like, wow, the editing was great. Jojo Rabbit, I didn't really walk away from it and think, yeah, the editing was fantastic. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Strange. Um, best costume design, you had The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Jojo Rabbit probably deserves a great nom there because them little Nazi outfits were quite fetching. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
and with this category it always seems like there's period dramas that kind of get yeah. the um get the thing but obviously you've got little women in there and i mean i guess once upon a time in hollywood counts as a period drama yeah even though they pretty much just wore hawaiian shirts but yeah i guess so best makeup and hairstyling bombshell joker judy maleficent and 1917 i feel like i've seen two movies out of that yeah i did do you get around to seeing judy no neither did i slip my radar yeah Hmm. best cinematography the irishman joker the lighthouse 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think when we saw this announced, majority of us on the film Twitter universe screamed for little for the lighthouse and Courtney. Yeah, I mean I've still not seen the lighthouse. Um, <laughs> no, it's I'm on my list. I need to see it. But yeah, I'm pretty happy. Good, I think good choices. Happy. I'd say. I mean, cinematography wise, obviously, I think Parasite should probably be up there. Yeah. Um, my that, that was... favorite cinematography was. Um, Adam Newport Berra, who did The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which nobody seems to have watched. You guys, go and watch this did movie. Did that come out this year, though? I think so, yeah. I watched it this Sorry, year. Sorry, last year. Yeah, I'd say so. But yeah. Cinematography is a hard one. I, I don't think they, they rarely get that right, to be honest. Mm. It's, it's an oddball. Um, production design, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. I mean, the production design of Parasite is fantastic. Yeah. The way that they contrast between the poor elements and the rich elements is amazing. And this is why I think it should also be in cinematography, because the way that they... And obviously, there's, there's no colouring category in the Oscars, mm. but some of the scenes, in particular the scene where the, the stabbing happens, there's so many like colours yeah. and the way that it's kind of like set up together. It's so gorgeous. It's, um, I say it's gorgeous when someone gets stabbed. Um, yeah, it was really great. So yeah, I think they should definitely go for that. But then obviously you've got Jojo Rabbit and 1917. 1917, they basically created mm. a different era, um, like what, almost 100 years ago, yeah. no, over 100 years ago. Yeah. Um, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also you've got all those, uh, the aesthetic of the old style cinemas and the film sets. Um, a lot of work's going into yeah. it. So... So, yeah, I'm not too sure about The Irish Man, though. But then again, can't remember that film because no. it went on for five days. I was not, I was not feeling it at all. No. Best sound mixing, Ad Astra, that's got a nomination. Mm-hmm. Are you shocked? I am, but I'm happy about it because I really did enjoy the sound. Yeah. Mm. Ford versus Ferrari, Joker, 1917, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And best sound editing, four versus for basically the similar structure, four versus Ferrari, Joker, nineteen seventeen, once in Hollywood, except they've swapped Ad Astra for Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Usually the categories are identical, aren't they? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, well let's talk about let's talk about some music. Okay. So best original song. You saw Toy Story 4. I did indeed. Um so I can't let you throw yourself away. That sounded like I was like I didn't sound natural coming out of my mouth this. What did you think of this film? This, sorry, this this song. Yeah, no, it was good. It, it was okay. Um it was Randy Newman, who I think also did You've Got a Friend in Me, so you know that was a nice little nostalgic touch. I can't Oh, that's quite sweet. Yeah, it was quite nice. I don't know if it was like, it wasn't until I saw the nomination that I went, oh, yeah, that was an original song. So I'm not sure it was something that captivated me when I first watched the film. But it's, it's a cute fair. norm, I think. You've got I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man, which is the song by Elton John. That's quite a nice song. Mm. Again, like you, like, I didn't think, like, oh, yeah, that's Oscar-worthy kind of thing. I don't know, it's weird with the original song, because you sometimes don't think about mm. it. Yeah. You've got I'm Standing With You from Breakthrough, a film I never heard about um but it's an american christian drama film so good for them um into the unknown which is the frozen two song and stand up from harriet uh which has received a multitude of nominations i'm really surprised Mm. because it didn't get a lot of good reviews did it i'm not that surprised well you know they had to find Mm. something to give women of color Mm. um Best original score, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917 and Star Wars. I mean, I've seen two of those films. I can't say anything kind of stood out. Yeah. I haven't really paid attention to music this year. <laughs> no, I can't say I'm... Um... No, yeah, no. 
No, nothing really stood out for me to say, like, oh, yeah, that was a fantastic no. score, really. The only score that stood out to me was when I watched Monsoon, which is that Hong Kong film. And um, oh, yeah. that last sequence plays a song that my friend who came to watch it with me, who doesn't really kind of pay attention to that kind of thing, still brings it up, like, were you able to find the soundtrack? And I was like, no, I don't think it's been released yet. So, yeah, that one sticks out for me, but... Yeah, that's fair enough. Did you did you see any of the short films that have been nominated? I've seen one of the animated short films, yeah, but not any of the others. Oh, which one did you see? Hair Love. Hair Love? How was that? So good. So I, but I've been following Matthew Cherry on Twitter for a really, really long time. And I like remember when he first had the idea and he was like... Because he started fundraising and I think it was the most successful something was it kickstarter that he used but it was like yeah the most it was successful. kickstarter in 2017 yeah and it was it was just so fun to see all of that hype and then oh it's just it made me so happy it was like i think probably the nomination i was most excited about was to see matthew cherry get that one so yeah i really recommend it that's brilliant yeah but i could see here that it exceeded the amount raised by any other short film project on the platform ever and it got three it was meant to get seventy five thousand dollars and got three hundred thousand mm. dollars um that's amazing um and it played alongside the angry birds 2 movie yeah which i didn't see <laughs> i was gonna say uh, that sounds good i didn't see any of the others but um i'm definitely going to try and check them out mm. um so and obviously the documentary side too so let's look at best documentary feature i didn't see any of these this year i feel really bad because usually i try and see at least one of the documentary nominations yeah, same so you've got american factory the cave the edge of democracy D- democracy <laughs> democracy oh my god what's going on with my accent um fosama and honeyland i've heard a lot about fosama same i've heard it's amazing mostly from sophie but that's you know i want to watch it sorry I've just completely lost my foot here so basically it shows um, the character's life through five years of that uprising in Aleppo in Syria and she falls in love and gives birth to Salma whilst conflict begins to engulf the city so she and her husband and doctor face an agonising decision to flee to safety or stay behind to help the innocent victims of war so a lot of conflict there Um, yeah no definitely was that South by Southwest Festival so I definitely Mm. want to try and catch that directed by a woman too I think well, this is the thing. This is the thing. Uh, it's got two directors. Mm-hmm. Yes. A, ma- a male and a female. Mm. Yes. But she also, you know, produced it and all sorts of things. So, yeah, mm. that's fantastic. Um, right. Oh, sorry. It's about her life. Oh, the woman who made it. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yes, because she, uni- she was at university when the Syrian civil war broke out. And she began reporting on the war for Channel 4. So just some people have lives, you know what I mean? Gosh, what a yeah. life. Gosh. Um, so let's talk about best international feature film, which is usually where they stick all the great films. Um, <laughs> but obviously we've got a little bit of a, not a conundrum, but it's great because Parasite has been nominated for best international feature film and best feature film as well so that's exciting um we've also got in that category corpus christi which is the polish film honeyland which is the turkish film les miserables not that one which is the french film and pain and glory which is the spanish selection and stars antonio banderas yep I have been told to watch this yes. heavily you need Penel- to watch it. penelope cruz is in it as well isn't she mm, you need um, to watch it i'm I'm really excited to see this and it's great to have like a big chunk of selections of international films um, there obviously are, is an outcry because Portrait of a Lady Portrait of a Girl on Fire is not included but I don't think that was the f- I don't think that was France's pick um, not too sure if you know but, uh, if you're listening to this is that basically every country picks their film and then that film gets put forward for the category so if there were like four amazing French films made unfortunately only one of them would be nominated for Best mm. International but I still think they could get nominated for Best Feature, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Let's not get into that. Let's talk about animated feature films. Mm. I saw none of them this year. <laughs> Toy Story 4, Missing Link, I Lost My Body, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, and Klaus, which yes. is that the Netflix yes. film, right? I didn't realise that that was, you know, up there. I loved Klaus. I think I would want Klaus to win. I was going to say, because you've seen a fair few of these, so which one would you like so to I win? I think I would love Klaus to win, but I'd also be happy with, obviously, Toy Story 4 winning, because anything Tom Hanks is my life. 
But yeah. given how it was so nice to see Missing Link, which was, I think, one of the smaller ones, sweep the globes, I'd love to see them upset the big ones like that. The big ones? Yeah. Hugely. I love an upset. And I think Just it comes from the same studios. It's like Paranorman, and I love Paranorman. Lion King's not in there. No, which is weird, isn't it? Mm, funny that. Mm. Nor is Frozen. So Oh my god, I didn't even clock yeah. that. No Frozen. Wow. No Frozen. And Frozen sweeped up mm. a lot that year. Mm. So let, let's talk about screenplays. Obviously, we've got Best Original, we've got Best Adapted. So on the Adapted side, we've got The Irish Man, which was based on the book I Heard You Paint Houses, which I think would have been a much better film title. Mm. Same. I just don't know. Um, Jojo Rabbit, uh, which was based on the novel Cage in Skies. I thought Jojo Rabbit was very original i mean i've never seen a film like it mm. um so that's a good one joker which is obviously based on the characters created by dc comics um it's a good screenplay but it's not i wouldn't say it's the best but i think that's because there's a lot of comparison to other batman films mm-hmm. um little women which is obviously based on little women and the two popes which is based on um the play the pope um what do you think in this category what what would you like to win? What do you think will win? Um, I think the Joker will win. But I would like to see... I don't know if there are any, like, standout favourites for me. I... I think I can see Jojo Rabbit being the underdog. And I do like to go for an underdog. Mm, so I've not seen Jojo Rabbit. I've not seen The Two Popes. I've not seen The Two Popes either. No. I was... My colleague watched it, though, and loved it. So I need mm. to put it on my list. Well, it's got some great mm. reviews. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I think it's going to be between Joker and the Irish Man, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. So original screenplay, we got a great selection, Knives Out by Ryan Johnson. I mean, to write that screenplay off the top of your head, yeah. amazing. amazing. Um, Marriage Story, which we've not seen, but I'm assuming that Adam Driver punching a wall is very original. Um, 1917 by Sam Lindas and Christy Wilson Carnes. Um, Mm, great story. Yeah. But I don't know if that's the best. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there was many scenes that didn't need to be in that film, so I don't think that deserves the award. And Parasite. Mm-hmm. I just... It's for me, it's got to be... I mean, Knives Out is the underdog. It'd be amazing if it won. It would be amazing. I would love But I'd, I'd, I'd love Parasite to win that. Yeah. But yeah, it's got to be one of them too for me. Oh, for sure. I think... Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Parasite, but I would love it to be... Knives Out, just because I love Knives Out. Not that I didn't love Parasite, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. You, I would just want to see it. It would have been nice to it's, see yeah. Lily Wong in there for The Farewell. Sorry, what's that film? The Farewell. The Farewell. No, I, I don't see The Farewell in any of these categories, mm-hmm. so th- therefore it can't be a it film. It can't be a film, it doesn't exist. No. Let's talk about acting nominations, because the Parasite cast also doesn't exist in nope. this. Okay, so we'll go with supporting. It's obviously supporting actress. You've got Cassie Bates from Richard Jewell. I've not seen this film. I've only just started seeing trailers come out mm, yeah. about it. Um, but yeah, she's there. Laura Dern from Marriage Story. She picked up the Golden Globe, so she's quite hot shot for this one. Uh, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit. She's fantastic, but I don't think she was probably better than the women in Parasite. <laughs> so I'm not too sure. Florence Poe and Little Women, which is great for Florence Poe. I mean, what a year. What a year for her. She's the best. And as we said earlier, Margot Robbie is there for Bombshell. Um, what do you reckon with this one? Who's missing? Who is missing? A supporting actress. Well, it's, it's not going to be anyone from The Irishman. It's not going to be anyone from Joker. It's not going to be anyone from 1917. It's not going to be anyone from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I like how they missing. acted like there were literally 10 films that came out all year. I know. I'm like... Just, mm, they all come out within the same three weeks of each other, I think. Yeah. Um, I would have liked um, to see... A sporting actress. I would have really liked to see um, Constance Wu because I thought she was incredible in Hustlers. Um, Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. Would she be supporting or would she be... Well, I mean, whichever. She, well, she technically... Snubbed, so. Yeah, technically she'd be supporting and Constance Wu would be a uh, lead actress. Oh, interesting. Um, but I think it's shocking that... Jennifer's not in this no, at all. Sure. Um, I thought Caitlin Dever as well for Booksmart. Book yeah, it's a good show. Would have been in there. Um, and maybe the the Nine Eye from Oh, of course, yeah. The Farewell. 
God, she's incredible. Yeah. So that's that's a shame. Let's move on. But best supporting actor. So we've got Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. This confused me because obviously I thought he was the lead character, mm. but as Courtney explained last week, he's not. Mm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins and the Two Popes, as we've said, we haven't seen this. You've got both Al Pacino and Joe Pesci in The Irishman. Mm-hmm. Joe Pesci kind of just grumbled for most of that film, so I don't know why he's in there. And Brad Pitt in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think it's... I mean, what do you reckon? Do you reckon Brad Pitt's got it in the bag? Um, I don't know, because I've not seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I thought it would have either been Joe Pesci or um, Al Pacino to take that one. But I don't know. I I would love it to be my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. But, um, yeah, I'm just not loving... I'm not loving that. Kind of open ball game, yeah. really, isn't it? I don't know, you know where that could go. Mm. Anyone you feel is missing? Do you know what? I did definitely think there were people missing, but now I'm having to talk about it. I've comp- I've forgotten everyone's names. Probably you'll go, I feel the same way. We should have prepared a little bit more for this. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Just like who? Um, yeah. I would have loved to see I've... Kelvin. Oh, wait, no, it's supporting act. Oh, maybe he was supporting. I don't know. Kelvin Harris Jr. and Luce. I thought it was It's incredible. hard sometimes to differentiate. I know, yeah. I remember reading once it was about lines on the screen or something like that. But sometimes there's been nominations and I thought, they're not supporting. Um, it's it's bizarre. Uh, so Best Actress, obviously there's a lot missing from here. Mm. Um, so you've got Cynthia Erivo um, as Harriet mm-hmm. in... Um, Harriet. Sorry, that can't really finish. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan, which is her fourth nomination. Mm-hmm. What a career in Little Women. Charlize Theron in Bombshell and Renee Zellweger as Judy. I kind of thought that Judy would just be completely forgotten about. Same. Because it was a bit of a festival hit. It wasn't really a... I don't remember being advertised as in the cinemas and stuff. Yeah. I remember when it came out of London and I like London Film Festival and I was like, okay, that's gonna be a big that's gonna be a big feature of that festival, but I don't really remember a lot of people saying, Oh, I'm gonna go see it. Mm, no, me neither. Me neither. No. Um what do you reckon? Because obviously Renee Zellweger won the um Golden Globe. Um Aquafina's not even nominated and she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy. Yeah. Um how do you feel about this category? <sighs> I don't like it at all because my winner is Lupita Nyong'o and she should be in that <laughs> list, as should, um, actually no, I guess she Aquafina. would be supporting actress, but Anna de Armas in um, Knives Out. Absolutely. She needs to be in there. And I don't like Awkward Well, I don't know, I, like I, think she, I, think she'd be, I think she'd be best actress, yeah? you know. I think she would. She should be. I think we're missing, I know you're not a fan, but I would have had Aquafina in there, yeah. Constance Wu, um, Lupita Nyong'o. Um, who did I just say? Anna de Armes. And then who else come out to the... I'm trying to think. <laughs> oh, and Alfre Woodard in Clemency, which was a film that nobody has seen. I was going to say, what? But <laughs> she is so good. Like, the only time I... So it's made by... I can't pronounce her name. Chinonye Chukwu, who is also a woman. Well, you, you did well with that, I've got to say. Thank you. Um, but it's essentially about a woman who, after spending years um, carrying out death row executions, is having to deal with the kind of psychological trauma that comes with that and the kind of emotional um, toll that her job brings. And it's it's amazing. And Alfred Wood- Woodard is amazing. And I don't understand how, like, I, this film is nowhere. Mm. But I recommend um, what about the feeling that all five of the films are nominated for are all dramas, not comedies? Yeah. I think there is some bias toward comedies and horror films. Um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, Beanie Fieldstein is missing for me as well. I thought she was absolutely phenomenal mm. in Booksmart. And I think Booksmart in general, I mean, a lot of people are talking about Greta Gerwig being, being ignored, but Olivia Wilde did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. A fantastic job. And Booksmart, I've got next to nothing. Well, I don't think they've got anything, have no. they? It's shocking. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of people, a lot of people missing mm. there. Um, and let's talk about Best Actors. So you've got Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, which I think is a great nomination. Mm. Um, Jonathan Price uh, in The Two Popes. The Walking Phoenix as Joker. Adam Driver in Marriage Story. And Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So... 
obviously no nominations for Ford versus Ferrari. A lot of people, a lot of people thought they'd get that. Yeah. Um, no nomination for Eddie Murphy from Dolomite is my name, and a lot of people were questioning where's Taron Egerton. I'm one of those people because he did a fantastic. I mean, he again. With, it's funny because the Golden Globes come along and it kind of gives you a small indication of who's going to be nominated. Yeah. But with, with the Oscars, they've kind of completely forgot about all the comedies. They have, yeah. They don't exist. Or, or musicals or anything that's not... I mean, to be honest, Rocketman is a drama mm. in a way. But yeah, so uh, Taron Egerton's been completely ignored. Yeah. Daniel Craig, Knives Out. Um, it's just when you look at the best picture categories and we'll look at them and we'll look at how they, they contrast the best actors... It's just, it's a strange, I don't know, it's strange. And obviously a lot of people have said Robert De Niro's not in there either. Yeah, it's a weird one. I don't, I don't get it. The Two Popes has got a lot of love. It has. I mean, it is nice a to see Jonathan love. Price get some, get some love, but I've not seen the film yet, so. Yeah. It's just odd. I don't know, it's just bizarre. Who's going to win, do you think? It's probably going to be Walking Phoenix, isn't I it? I know. It's weird because I feel like a lot of Leonardo DiCaprio's nominations are not really warranted. I think the one year he should have won... I mean, he should have won with The Departed. He should have won for Wolf of Wall Street. But The Revenant and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, no, not for me. Mm. I want it to be Antonio Banderas. Everyone knows where I stand on this. I think he's incredible. It'd be nice. But again, where are the Parasite action nominations? Yeah. Mr. Mr. Kim... Mr. Kim. Incredible. Um, so, obviously, best director is always a taboo subject. Well, it's not taboo. It's just fucking stupid. <laughs> um, we've got another year where we've got no female directors. Uh, so, you've got Martin Scorsese from The Irishman. He's been here before, right? Mm-hmm. Todd Phillips, The Joker, which is just... Oh. Sam Mendes, 1917. That's probably warranted. Yeah. I'll give him that one. He deserves to be there. Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, not your best work. And Boon John... <laughs> Bong Joon Ho. John Chow, please come save me. Uh, Parasite, amazing nom. Who's missing? Go on. If you had your dream list here, My dream be? list. Um, so I agree with Sam Mendes for 1917. I agree with Bong Joon Ho for Parasite. I would add Lulu Wong for The Farewell. Um, yes. Joe Talbot, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, and Matty Diop, yes. who made Atlantics, which is that French-speaking film that's now on Netflix. Um, Amazing. That is, yeah, is one of my favourite films of the year, so that would be my list. I love it. I'd add Taika, Taika Wahiti, mm-hmm. Treasure Rabbit. I'd add in Olivia Wilde for Booksmart. Agree with you on Lulu about The Farewell. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 why is it not coming to me right now I haven't seen Little Women but obviously Greta Gerwig probably just decided to be in there because obviously how can you nominate something for best picture best actress best supporting actress yeah. best screenplay but not best but director does make sense uh, no it does not um, and probably Marion Marion Heller of A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood yeah not seen this it is yet, the thing but I do like her no and um, so I'm just trying to think here just going down. Ryan Johnson for Knives Out. Oh, yeah, for sure. He really... Um, I, don't, I don't like... I feel very protective over Ryan Johnson. I know you do. I don't it's like the sweet, people actually. are so mean to him. But I just think there's a lot... I think what they've gone with is like, well, you know, Scorsese and Tarantino yeah. did a film this year, so we'll stick them in. Yeah. And obviously... I mean, direction wise. It's weird with as a director. It's funny because with a performance, it's a, it's a combination of the director and the actor. But sometimes knowing Walking Phoenix, you kind of think, well, I don't think you probably would have needed a lot of direction. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But then you look at the action performances, and if you are going to go down that route off, you do need a good director to get a great performance out of an actor. Then where's the nominations for Pain and Glory, Marriage Story, mm. The Two Popes, Bombshell? Judy, Harriet. Yeah. So it's it's a difficult line to walk. Yeah. I just, I mean, a lot of people say to me, "How do you feel about the conversation of having a female director branch and a female and a male director branch?" Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with it because if you're going to do that way to be fair on that category, why don't you do it for the writers? Why don't you do it for the cinematographers? Yeah. Because that is not the only category that women are shut out of. Yeah. I agree. And then obviously you have the other argument where people say we shouldn't have best actor and best actress. We should just have best performance. 
And I just think, no, because we'd have even less women with you. <laughs> I know, exactly. Are you trying to shut us out completely? <laughs> it's just, I'm all for, you know, people are trying to push equality, but I just think you have to play the game in some of these retrospects. And instead of changing the category, change the mm. fucking people voting. Yeah, for sure. You know? I mean, they changed it. So you've got, is it 10? No, nine nominations now for Best Picture. Put nine directors in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the thing goes on for 10 hours anyway. Right. What's a few more? Ridiculous. And how shit was it they had Issa Rae and John Cho read out the Oscar norms? Her face. I don't know. And mm. best picture, so speaking of the nine films, I mean, like you said, they're just all very similar. Yeah. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of variety in all of this. I mean the films there's literally only one, two, three, four, eight, twelve. So there's actually only four, eight, twelve there's only seventeen films that have been nominated overall. Overall? Oh sorry, that's films that have received no, can I see how many films have been on? Or like the films that are the films that get in the most hype. There are only about seventeen of them. Well, there's seventeen films with multiple nominations. Okay. Um, but yeah, so obviously the most nominations are Joker, followed by The Irishman, nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jojo Rabbit, Little Women, Marriage Story, Parasite. Four Vs. Ferrari, Bombshell, Star Wars, Two Popes, Harriet, Honeyland, Judy, Pain and Glory, and Toy Story 4. Hmm. Hmm. I just can't believe you didn't say the farewell. Like, that's just... Like, that's just... Oh. And that's it. That's the Academy Awards for this year. I think the major upsets are probably going to be the fact that there's no women. Obviously, the farewell being shut out. Booksmart being yep. shut out. And I, I haven't even mentioned it. Uncut Gems. Oh, I've not seen it, but I know people are upset about this. You too? The, the thing that I don't understand is, I mean, I said in a tweet the other day, if you told me 10 years ago that, not even 10 years ago, yeah. one year ago, that the main upset of the Oscars for me was that Adam Sandler wasn't nominated for Best Actor, I would have laughed <laughs> in your face. But the fact is, Uncut Gems should be nominated for original screenplay or adapted, I don't know what mm. it's based on. Because it's fucking original. It should be nominated for Best Actor. Adam Sandler is not Adam Sandler in this film. And when you've got an actor that has kind of... It's a bit yeah. like Matthew McConaughey. They build, they build a career on playing this this persona of themselves, basically like an extension mm. of who they are, isn't it? You watch it, you're like, oh yeah, it's an Adam mm. Sandler film. Uncut Gems, it's not an Adam mm. Sandler film. He delves into this performance and you can see he's put so much effort and commitment into this performance and it's shocking that no one's rec- well, obviously not no one's recognised it I think he got did he get nominated for the Golden Globe I don't know no I don't think he bloody did well fuck them <laughs> too um, but it should have been nominated for mm. Best Picture probably Best Director for the Safdie Brothers Best Actor and Best Screenplay and I'm just shocked but the thing is these strands Actors vote for actors, and I generally think that all them actors sat at home and thought, I'm not fucking voting for Adam Sandler. Because it would be seen as a joke. If you you looked back on history and you said, oh yeah, in 2020, Adam Sandler won Best Actor. I mean, could you see him standing up there next to freaking Cynthia Erivo and Tom (laughs) Hanks and Scarlett Johansson? Like, it it looked like a joke, wouldn't it? So I generally think that's what the actors have done when they've been voting for that category. Just like the men have voted, well, I'm not voting for women. Yeah, Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's it. I mean, you've you got anything else to say regarding um, the nominations? I mean, I'm happy for Hair Love. I'm really happy for Hair Love. I'm happy for Antonio Banderas. I'm happy for Parasite, even though it didn't get the acting nods that I wanted it to get. Um, but I'm still mad that there's no love for Lulu Wong because it just it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'll always be mad that there's no Shocking. love for The Last Batman in San Francisco. But I'm also really, really pissed off that there, that Scarlett Johansson has more nominations than people of colour in the acting categories. That's really bothered me. And I... And, yeah. It's it's a similar thing with the BAFTAs, because Margot Robbie is nominated twice in the same yeah. category. So annoying. Yeah. Um, 
do you think not to be like completely mm. depressive but like do you th- do you think it's going to change because like I thought it would have changed I thought by now. Moonlight was going to be like from that year on it was going to be different but I don't I no it hasn't been has it I have no idea Well you got to remember they won that by mistake oh God, as well it was so sad <laughs> I mean, the one year they actually do it, they do it by mistake. Well, I mean, I mean, do you remember when Ellen DeGeneres hosted the Oscars and she said, two things are going to happen tonight. Either 10 Years a Slave wins... Not 10 Years a Slave, 12 Years a Slave. 12 Years a Slave. God. <laughs> I just knocked two off. Either 12 Years a Slave wins best film or you're all racist. Do you remember yep. when she said that? Also, I mean, Hollywood wow. need to understand that as much as films like 12 Years a Slave and I'm sure Harriet are really really good you cannot they've got other stories you cannot just oh it's just frustrating it's frustrating it's It's tick box it's It's like tick box culture it is tick box culture well we will see what happens um when the winners are announced not that we really pay much attention to them anyway because luckily for us every year there's a bunch of new films coming out and a bunch more things to be angry about i love being angry excited (laughs) oh me too um thank you for tuning in um hoping you're enjoying the podcast this year so far remember you can follow us on spotify you can subscribe to us on apple podcast and you can find us on social media um which will be in the episode notes of this episode thank you now happy to be back thanks for having me you are welcome. You can come back next week as well. How do you so feel about excited. that? I'm so <laughs> excited too. Bye-bye. Bye.